Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture here at Midweek. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Coming up on our program, we're going to get another report from the American Farm Bureau Federation meeting that's been going on in New Orleans this week. Dave Salmonson will join us, and we'll talk some trade issues. Uh, Also today, we're going to get the latest ag equipment sales numbers for December and look at the whole year of 2018. Kurt Blades will join us from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. There is a soil health summit going on in st louis and kevin ross first vice president of the national corn growers association will join us from that interesting meeting that has a a a collection of um, participants when you look at farmers agronomists environmental groups working together on soil health issues we'll get a report from that meeting and learn a little bit more about the uh, soil health partnership and this uh, this collaboration that they have going now and how they are planning to move forward and what they are doing, collecting some interesting data and how they'll be using that moving forward. So all that's coming up here on today's program. But first, we started off talking with Chris Clayton, Ag Policy Editor for DTN. Chris, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for <clears throat> excuse me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Been interesting a few days this week already. Uh, let's look back at the president's speech in New Orleans at the AFBF meeting. Everybody's had a chance now to kind of discuss and dissect what he said and what he didn't say. What stood out to you about the speech? Well, what stood out, I think, was how how much support and how much uh, how receptive farmers were, despite everything that has gone on particularly with trade in the past year. Um, you know, he got a uh, raucous crowd uh, and uh, a lot of support. Um, you know, he insisted that things are going to be better for farmers, for trade. You know, it's going to be so much that uh, we're going to have to increase acreage and things like that. Um, but everybody who knows what's been going on in um in agriculture over the past year and over the past uh, several months in particular know that uh, things have been very difficult because of the tariffs that have been implemented over the past year Uh, but that didn't seem to uh, really phase uh, the farmer support for him i think it's fascinating i talk about this all the time and i think uh, in years to come, we'll look back on this and say how did this happen i mean you've got a situation where if i'd have said uh, you know, months ago, that you'd have an administration that puts on tariffs with your big, one of your biggest customers, and in some cases, like soybeans, your biggest customer, and puts tariffs on other good customers, Mexico and Canada, and trade really gets disrupted. And, you know, uh, we have a government shutdown, and we have all these problems, and and all this, and agriculture would still support that president and that administration, you would say, wait a minute, these two things historically would not go together, but it's just an amazing situation right now, and so much of it seems to be a feeling, uh, not that he hasn't done some things, and he mentioned, you know, the tax uh, situation, things like that, and efforts to change WOTUS, those are great things, but a lot of this is still based on hope and anticipation of things to come, and the and the actual things that uh, have been accomplished so far. Yeah, that's uh, a very good point, and I think that, uh, you know, it 
maybe somewhat goes back to farmers being uh, eternal optimists uh, that uh, the next year will be better. But um, um, but you know he drew uh, pretty much a capacity crowd at the event, and um, he was able to feed off of uh, you know an enthusiastic crowd, and um, I'm sure it uh, you know probably boosted his morale a little bit. Um, to uh, be able to do that. Yeah, he came in uh, to, a, to a friendly audience, but in talking with uh, Farm Bureau members that were there, I get the sense that, you know, you know, they still have hope and they're still backing him, but their patience is starting to run a little thin because, you know, if this keeps dragging out and prices, uh, you know, stay low and trade continues to be disrupted, you know, at some point uh, they're saying we're going to have to have some results here. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, there's going to have to be some uh, better results. Um, um, you know, we can't get to this point next year and, for instance, and uh, not have the uh, USMCA passed, still have those uh, steel and aluminum tariffs uh, from uh, Canada and Mexico uh, placed on some of the uh, ag products, uh, particularly uh, dairy, and for instance. So, um, and you know, just what will um, come from uh, China a year from now. Um, Did we really cede a uh, big part of our uh, market to Brazil, or was this a one-year situation? So all of those things, I think we'll kind of see, uh, you know, how far Bureau members are um, uh, regarding this administration a year from now. And, of course, the other part of this, so much of this will have to – it requires – cooperation with Congress, and we're not seeing very much in the way of them being willing to cooperate with the administration, so it's it really is hard to see, the way it looks right now, uh, a real clear path forward on some of these issues. Yeah, the uh, shutdown right now, obviously it's a record shutdown, and um, you're starting to see pressure, you're starting to see things be affected, you know, the crop reports are are now affecting, and uh, it's not just crop reports, but other government reports that uh, the um, the equity markets rely on are now being affected as well. So uh, trade is kind of, uh, so to speak, uh, markets are kind of going, playing more off the, of what's rumor than fact at the moment, um, and uh, these are some of the impacts that you're starting to see. Uh, I think... You know, the longer that FSA offices remain closed and the loan issues become a problem, uh, we'll start to uh, add up not just for farmers, but people who uh, we're we're waiting on, you know, loan guarantees to buy homes and things like that. Um, All of these things uh, can, uh, you know, affect credit rating, and you can lose a home uh, because of those kind of situations. So it, it affects people in a lot of different ways. Secretary Purdue has done a great job in this administration kind of going out and uh, assuring everyone and calming folks down through a lot of different issues. Uh, he's got a big challenge on his hands if this government shutdown continues uh, to keep everyone, uh, 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 you know, calm and uh, talk them off the ledge here because, uh, as you say, as it goes on, it, the impact is felt more and more. Yeah, and, you know, in some uh, departments, they're bringing back workers um, to work without pay. And, um, you know, as you say, really just the pressure begins to build. Um, 
more daily to uh, reach some kind of a deal. So um, I don't see uh, either side moving at the moment, but they're affecting a lot of different people. And um, it doesn't really set a uh, good precedent for uh, anything moving forward between um, the uh, White House and Congress. You always hear that, oh, we, we can do something on infrastructure. Well, you know, I, I don't see anything moving forward on infrastructure uh, very quickly either, uh, even though you would think that would be a winner back home. You would think, and we've been hearing that for some time, that they're going to do something, and they haven't gotten that done either. So we will see. All right, Chris, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. Um, thank you, and have a good day. You too. Chris Clayton, Ag Policy Editor for DTN. All right, coming up next, Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. We'll talk trade and some of the delegate action at the AFBF meeting this week. That's next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. If you don't know where to look, it's easy to miss something big. Sometimes the answers to our biggest challenges are found in the most unexpected places. The clean energy solutions we need are right in front of us. Always have been. Opportunity is everywhere if you know where to look. See the world differently. Poet. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing.
information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, I want to get one more report from the American Farm Bureau Federation meeting that uh, has been going on this week in New Orleans. Joining us now is Dave Salmonson. He is Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau. Dave, thanks for joining us. Um, Looking at your delegate action there yesterday, what did they uh, decide on trade policy? Any changes? Well, we had a Hey, morning, Mike. We had a few uh, new additions to our policy. Uh, you know, these were things that come in from our states and uh, presented to the delegates yesterday, and they approved. Uh, one was to work to re-enter or the uh, enter, I might say, the Comprehensive and Progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership, the newly named CPTPP. That's uh, something that uh, Farm Bureau had strongly supported when it was the TPP. And our delegates uh, approved uh, language that would put us firmly on record and uh, in our policy try to act to get the uh, U.S. to rejoin that at some point. Uh, part of that, of course, is the fact that uh, we really want to have a deal with Japan. Negotiations for that uh, we think will start up soon. But I think overall, with having a good uh, trade regime in the Asia Pacific, I think that the CPTPP is an important part of that. So they were uh, very strong in support of that. And we also had some language, which uh, came in from the states. Uh, There was some debate about this, a good discussion, which said we should uh, really act to try to solve trade disputes through negotiation rather than going to either adding tariffs or withdrawing from trade agreements. So there's, uh, I think those kind of things kind of go together when you look at them, both the CPTPP and this uh, definitely a desire to go the route of negotiations uh, to solve trade disputes. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at uh, some of the things happening in trade right now. The World Trade Organization, WTO, is expected to side with the United States in the dispute with China over Chinese government subsidies for wheat, corn, and rice, and uh, now it remains to be seen if China goes along with that or not, but it looks like the WTO will rule in our favor. Uh, What significance does that have as far as um, what China might do, Dave, and how it could impact talks between the U.S. and China? Yeah, these were cases that were filed back in 2016, something that uh, those industries and uh, Farm Bureau was included uh, in that and some of the discussion around that back then have been concerned about for years, especially the subsidy element that uh, China was basically violating. The WTO agreements was heavily subsidizing production of those crops, limiting the opportunities for uh, trade into China for those uh, particular commodities. I think that puts, goes along with all of the emphasis that the U.S. government has put on notifications, uh, getting countries to tell exactly what they're doing, um, to try to get them to live up to agreement. So for China, I think that just uh, kind of really lets them know that the world is concerned that a case before the WTO came up and said, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're violating these agreements, you need to come into line. And I think it should give some extra emphasis to the ongoing negotiations that China really does need to be a better actor uh, on the world stage in trade. So a, uh, a, a positive decision, I think, uh, for agriculture overall in dealings with China and uh, just another, uh, you might say, brick on the load 
of discussions that can happen in the uh, continuing negotiations. So the next round of talks is scheduled for Washington January 30th and 31. Uh, Our U.S. Trade Rep, uh, Robert Lighthizer, has said there's not been any progress towards structural reforms of China's trading practices, but has also said that there have been uh, good discussions, things going well about China buying more U.S. farm goods. Uh, So what do you make of this? Are we any closer, you think, to some kind of a, a breakthrough or not? I think the talks at the level that were just held over in Beijing, you know, and, and, and these things, and things talks uh, lead to other talks. So the officials you had there, the kind of people that were talking in Beijing, uh, can set a lot of groundwork, can get a lot of uh, progress, as they say, can really frame out issues that need people at higher political levels uh, to make ultimate decisions. And I think a lot of this is one of the... Uh, evidences of goodwill on either side. Of course, for the U.S., you know, we both want to see China move and really make some commitments to make some changes in some of the problems they've had. But, of course, for agriculture specifically, they had said, when President Xi and President Trump met uh, a little over a month ago, that China would go into the market and start buying more U.S. agricultural products. Now, they've started by some. We certainly want to see that improve uh, and have them buy more. That would be a near-term thing while they move to the longer-term issues. So I think most uh, observers expect these talks uh, will continue. Uh, Hopefully there will be something uh, solid by the time we get to the beginning of March, the deadline there when the tariffs that the U.S. has. And those $200 billion of Chinese imports are scheduled to go from the current 10% to a 25% tariff. But sometimes you have talks to have more talks. So uh, uh, we'll see if there's any real concrete announcements or another higher level of discussion. Well, the president told Farm Bureau members this week uh, it's going to be so good that you're going to wish you had more acres to plant because you're going to have these trade deals are going to be so good. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, we realize uh, that's a political speech, too, but hopefully he's not uh, over-promising and, and, and won't under-deliver. I mean, uh, we got, need to get some action on some of these things, but he, he, he sure uh, paints a, a rosy, optimistic picture. Well, he was very strong on what he thought could happen both in the near term. He started off with talking about the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. I uh, thought he would be able to, uh, the administration, be able to work with Congress, get that passed this year. We certainly are uh, supportive of that. hope that's right. Uh, there'll be a lot of discussion about that in the upcoming months. Hopefully we get that through and uh, keep that uh, good trade we have within, ag trade we have within North America. Talked about China, that we'll keep negotiating with them. Spoke, uh, I think, at some length about the European Union, how we needed a better uh, trade arrangements with the European Union across a whole range of industries, including agriculture. You know, we've had our a lot of long-term issues with the EU, uh, complicated now by all that's going on with the Brexit thing a little bit. Uh, but we hope we can get to a better place with them. There's certainly been a lot of discussion back and forth on how much Ag will be included. We know the uh, EU's trade minister was in Washington a week ago, uh, ran into, I think, a very strong strong uh, support for it, that agriculture must be included in these talks. I think the EU uh, would rather move ahead on certain things and leave agriculture out altogether or take it up later, but that's not usually the way that the U.S. Uh, does trade negotiations, certainly not once the ag community wants. We want our issues dealt with right from the beginning. So I think that uh, more discussion there needs to happen. 
for real substantive talks could begin with the EU. And, uh, but I think we all know there could be some good benefits from that. So, and of course, Japan. Again, back to Japan. I think there's a lot of urgency there with Japan going ahead with CPTPP, other uh, countries getting the benefits of tariff reduction. The U.S. isn't. So the time for action certainly is now. Well, that situation with uh, Brexit is a mess, as Prime Minister May's Brexit plan was defeated soundly. It's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. Well, it certainly is. If they can sort out their political situation, it's, you know, either they can be approved, do they ultimately go to a new referendum? Or is the uh, ultimately the political situation there continues to lurch along, and they may have to call for their own new elections for a new government? Uh, lots of different paths. Right now, it's hard to see that they can come and meet that uh, March uh, deadline of trying to fully uh, leave the European Union. That uh, certainly seems to doubt right now. Yeah, it doesn't look like anything as far as any kind of new trade deal with them is anywhere near imminent. And as far as USMCA. Uh, we still don't have the implementing legislation uh, to get the process started in Congress. So there's still a ways to go on that. Oh, there is. That, uh, that probably, if you follow the normal course that's laid out in our Trade Promotion Authority law, that usually wouldn't go up until after the International Trade Commission report on the broad economic impacts of the deal. That was due middle of March before the government shutdown. That could then be delayed uh, some because of that. So usually you probably wouldn't expect this to go up to the Hill uh, in a normal scenario before mid, mid or the end of March. And then the uh, Congress, of course, has time frames based on legislative days when they have to take this up, get to vote. So if everything went, went uh, long in a fairly good scenario, you could see votes possibly before the August recess or, of course, certainly later uh, into the fall, depending on how... Uh, this is all done. But the real triggering event to get Congress to have to take action is when the administration sends up the legislation. So we continue to wait, and with the government shutdown, may wait a little longer on some of these things than we thought. All right, Dave, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, as I mentioned earlier, there is a soil health summit going on in St. Louis. And the National Corn Growers Association, a big part of that. We'll talk with their first vice president, Kevin Ross. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. 
A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain and oil seed sector trying to stabilize on Wednesday's trading session after Tuesday losses. The futures rebounding. The sell-off yesterday may have been a little bit overdone, according to some of the wire talk. March soybeans extended lower on Tuesday. The bears taking aim at a potential retest of the December 27th swing low at 880 and a half. An hour into Wednesday's session, we're hovering near 896 and three quarters, up three and a half cents. March corn tumbled sharply lower on Tuesday, skidding to the lowest level since November 28th. On this Wednesday, we are trending two to two and a fraction higher. March at 374 a bushel. Yesterday, we sank below the 20-day moving average. Bears see an initial target at 367 and a quarter. That'd be the low from November 26th. The government shutdown has elongated the time without USDA data for the grain markets to reference. In the wheats, Chicago March up two and a quarter at 513 and a quarter cent. Kansas City March up a penny and a half at 497. Minneapolis Spring Wheat March up four and a quarter, 566 and a quarter cent. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures. Steady to 22 cents higher after a rally yesterday. February live cattle, 127.17, up 25 cents. Feeder cattle backpedaling after modest advances yesterday. March down 90 cents at 143.85. Lean hog futures, triple digit losses in the front three contracts of the market. February down $1.90 at 60.25. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow up 142 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, a soil health summit is going on in St. Louis. This soil health partnership is interesting. It's made up of farmers, agronomists, and environmental groups. We've talked about this before. It's an interesting mix, and uh, they're meeting in St. Louis. Joining us now from that event is Kevin Ross, first vice president of the National Corn Growers association kevin thanks for joining us hey glad to be here mike how are you good tell us a little bit about uh, about this summit and what's going on there yeah we're uh, we're here in st louis um there's a uh, a lot of growers uh, a lot of agronomists uh, as well as the other uh, partners that you mentioned you know environmental groups uh, here and, and other folks that are 
in that value chain. Um, over 300 folks down here, though, in St. Louis uh, enjoying the summit and uh, uh, learning about uh, you know some of the advancements and, and research and soil health that uh, that the that the partnership does. Yeah, this is about uh, healthier soils and cleaner water and getting people to work together. And, and immediately when we say, wait a minute, you got farmers, you got ag groups working with environmental groups, uh, that doesn't usually uh, seem to go together, but uh, it sounds like you're making it work. You know, they are. Uh, the, the Soil Health Partnership has done a great job of, of having those collaborations uh uh, you know, come together and really make sense to uh, uh, to help advance, you know, everybody's um, everybody's interests, and really it, it leads a lot, you know, leads to great power uh, to getting our key messages out with the other farmers. Um, as I mentioned, those businesses that are that are in that value chain, uh, you know, all the way to consumers, and, and taking that message to legislators in D.C. Now, some things are already happening, right? Uh, collecting data. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the, the partnership has been, you know, collecting data for uh, three years um, of the infield trials, and, and uh, it's the fifth year of the partnership. But uh, that data is really, um, you know, it's, it's starting to show some early insights, uh, um, starting to show that uh, there hasn't been a, a, you know, a statistically significant yield drag from the cover crops. Um, that's, that's really a, a very, you know, key indicator right there. Uh, it's going to take more time, you know, more data to continue to dig, dig into this. And there's certainly uh, a lot of different cover crops that, uh, you know, that, that folks are using. So, uh, you know, none of this is a one-size-fits-all deal, but uh, uh, that's one of the key things that they're seeing. And, and after, you know, only a few years into this thing, uh, you know, they're also learning how, how much more uh, organic matter we can build in that soil, how quickly and and, uh, you know, just starting to see some of these early insights into that. And, and uh, that's what the program is about, is data and, and sending that data out to others so that they can hopefully implement uh, similar practices on their farm. And the more data you collect and the more, uh, you know, more information you can pass on to those trying to look at, at, at their farming operation, what decisions to make, what changes they might be able to make that would lead to healthier soils and cleaner water. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. At the end of the day, um, you know, those are the, the key pieces to this partnership, and and that's why uh, you know we can have such such a diverse group coming together because it has uh, such a broad reach in those other areas. So, um, you know, I've used this uh, the partnership reference that plenty of times when I've been in offices, um, you know, in D.C. and and uh, it's amazing the the quick buy-in um, and interest that you have from folks that are not just. Uh, uh, you know, not not from the rural areas. They they don't you know maybe not understand all of what we do as farmers. But uh, when you start talking about the benefits of soil health and, and into uh, you know carbon sequestration um, or water quality benefits, uh, you know some of those folks uh, that that kind of gets their eyes lit up. And um, that's it's not the ones that would uh, you know make my neighbors uh, jump up and and. Uh, turn their ears on but um you know we all have different interests and that's why this like i said this partnership uh works well we're talking with kevin ross first vice president of the national corn growers association kevin i think you hit on a key part point here as there's more scrutiny on agriculture and more oversight coming on these kind of issues it's important for agriculture to be able to say hey we are doing something we are taking steps we are uh willing to do what it takes to protect our soils and water 
It really is, Mike. I, I guess um, one of the things that I've found and, and seen is that uh, uh, you can't, you know, I, I can't have the same conversation with a, a neighbor, like I said, as I would have with uh, with some of those urban folks. They it, You just care about different things, although, you know, they may mean the same thing in the long run and, and mean, you know, better environmental standards, better uh, better things for, you know, for my farm in the long term. But uh uh, the conversation is different, and and uh, it is fascinating though to, to see how much um, how much the public actually you know has interest in these types of issues, and uh, we're finding more and more that uh, you know the environmental groups uh, you know a lot of them have uh, or some of them anyway have certainly turned a corner I would say when it comes to their thought process on on some of these issues and partnering with AG to try to figure out you know the long term benefits that uh, that we need to you know. To, to create the good ecosystem that's going to continue to help us uh, grow better crops in the long term and, and uh, you know, make. Well, that's good to hear. I, I think a lot of times in agriculture we hear, you know, about environmental groups. We assume that they want to put agriculture out of business or they're going to try to put such restrictions or try to force the changes to get what they want done, that it would put farmers out of business. What are you finding in your experience now working more closely with these groups? I mean, are you able to find more common ground than maybe you thought? You know, certainly with a few of them, uh, Environment and Defense Fund uh, is one that we've worked with closely. Uh, the Nature Conservancy is also another one that uh, that has certainly um, helped with Soil Health Partnership. And, and um, you know, there's... There's certainly the extremists in, in both sides of things, but uh, but it, it has been interesting. I think a lot of our uh, a lot of the folks at NCGA and and uh, our board in particular has has certainly seen um, you know a lot of growth in this area and and really a lot of interest and in, like I said, partnering and just understanding um, you know even understanding what they're really wanting uh, from the groups is good for us to know that and and also you know so we can craft our messages. Uh, when we're going to DC too, because those folks have uh, those folks have different connections than we have, and our urban legislators that that are there. Um, sometimes we need to use these folks uh, or or partner with these folks to get our messages across to the same people. And um, you know, people think differently, and we we in agriculture sometimes put our own selves in a in a box that uh, that's only our own, and and thinking like our ourselves and our and our neighbors, and that doesn't always work for uh, for trying to get get a job done sometimes. Uh, so we're trying to adjust to some of those those issues. So you find they're willing to listen and learn perhaps more about agriculture, why some things are done, and if you're going to make a change, what needs to be done to make it work? Yeah, that's been actually uh, one of the more fascinating things for me is that is that uh, that those question and answer uh, discussions that I've had um, personally. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm a person that likes to learn and hear. Uh, hear from different things, and it's amazed me that that they're wondering why we do certain things in the farm, uh, whether it's technology, whether it's uh, uh, biotech traits, or, or or you know, or cover crops that we're talking about down here. Um, those those uh, those discussions are, are key, and and um, hopefully educating them as well as myself uh, along the way to what to what the consumers and and uh, other you know other folks out there think that are different than than myself. So there's going to be some more information, I think, released perhaps even today, right? There is. There's uh, there's some information that they've they've already put out there. Um, our lead scientist, Dr. Maria Bowman, um, she's put some you know starting 
to, to analyze a lot of this data. Um, you know, this is still early on in, in the partnership's life. I think we'll, uh, we'll hopefully see this thing extended for a number of years. And as we you know, get further into it, this data is going to get better and better. And hopefully uh, uh, a lot of folks will be able to see that and use that and, uh, and learn from it, too. So how is the data gathered? I mean, do farmers volunteer uh, information, uh, allow it to be gathered from their farms? Is that how it works? Yeah, exactly. We actually have, um, so I work with my local, you know, agronomists and, uh, and uh, soil sampling, and um, they submit all the data. They, they've got the protocols that they work through uh, to, to get the data in the way they want for the partnership. Um, there's different soil tests that, uh, that we do. Um, not just one type, and, and that way they can get, you know, all the things from your normal soil test uh, of your MP and K and, and uh, cation exchange and things like that, also to the biological activity and, and other pieces of it that, uh, uh, that are a little more extensive and, and uh, you know, take different tests. Um, but, they you know, we work with uh, our local folks as well as uh, the SHP agronomists and, and uh, get that data in a form that they want. You know, anymore with uh, with technology, it's getting easier and easier to, to you know move your data around and send it to uh, to folks to be analyzed and looked at and and uh, and aggregated in this case. Well, I think it's encouraging instead of uh, you know always being butting heads with the environmental groups and uh, you know uh, instead of it being so adversarial, find ways to work together. And it sounds like this partnership is uh, opening some of those doors. It it definitely has and. Um, you know, we're always looking for uh, the right groups to partner with to, uh, you know, to get the good policy move forward for national corn. And, um, you know, that's the, in the past, that's been uh, a lot of our partners in ethanol industries as well as livestock industries. Uh, uh, I'll be headed to national cattlemen's here in a, in a few weeks uh, to, to uh, you know, chat with those, those guys down there and those partners as well. And we've got, um, you know, a lot of folks along the value chain that we're uh, dealing with anymore that uh you know at one time i would have never thought we were you were talking to folks from uh coca-cola and and um you know mcdonald's and things like that all the way to to the uh you know to the, the other folks providing the inputs and the fertilizer and things like that so we we talk with a lot of different people and and partner with a lot of different folks on different initiatives but um you know sometimes the more traditional ones aren't exactly the ones that uh, you got to use to get the job done so We'll, we'll work on that and changing that, too. Yeah, very interesting. All right. Thanks, Kevin. I'll see you at NCBA, okay? Excellent. Sounds good, Mike. All right. See you then. Kevin Ross, first vice president of the National Corn Growers Association from the Soil Health Summit going on in St. Louis. Stay with us. More coming up here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DMA 0031. All right, crew. Let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. If you suffer from heartburn or other digestive-related disorders, then there is a new, safe, better, and natural alternative to better digestive wellness and heartburn relief. Praxid not only provides relief of heartburn, but Praxid takes a 360-degree approach to support better digestion, protect you from harmful bacteria, and also balance your stomach to improve digestive functions. We like to think of it as the multivitamin of digestive health. It's the only product to combine all natural ingredients known for the digestive health properties into a single patented product. Praxid also comes in easy-to-carry packs. Praxid relieves, restores, and maintains a healthy digestive system. Praxid is available here for only $39.95. Shipping and handling is free, and your money back is guaranteed. To take advantage of this special radio offer, call now, 1-800-829-5705. That's 1-800-829-5705. Again, 1-800-829-5705. 
Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Throughout 2018, we were tracking the ag equipment sales numbers, and each month, despite the uh, down ag economy, we were pleasantly surprised to see uh, good numbers, uh, especially considering the environment. Uh, And joining us now to give us the uh, final tally for the year is Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Kurt, thanks for joining us. I guess we can, uh, we'll start with just the December numbers, and then we'll look at the year overall for 2018. But uh, how did December wrap up? Well, thanks for having me, Mike. And uh, you kind of stole my punchline by saying, despite <laughs> the, uh, the the softness of the ag economy, equipment sales are holding up. You know, holding up pretty good. December has kind of been, uh, you know, a continuation of a lot of the trends that we saw in November, as well as what we saw in in October for uh, for tractor sales. You know, specifically with uh, with under forty horsepower being sort of the driver of the market, and that, uh, that that farm tractors sort of holding their own. Now, there's some exception when we look at the at the uh, the, the the month over month for December uh, with a with a pretty sizable drop in uh, articulated four wheel drive on a percentage basis, but as we've said over and over again, that's not a lot of numbers, so I wouldn't pay that close attention to that percentage. One of the interesting stories of the December numbers, though, specifically is about a 30% increase in self-propelled combine sales uh, from December 2018 versus 2017. You know, that's a big enough number for us to say there's something going on there. Our, Our you know, best assumption is that that is related to uh, to the wet to the wet harvest and some farmers that maybe have been looking at at uh, making a combine purchase at some time in the nearer future decided to accelerate that just a little bit so they could take advantage of a of another unit um, uh, during uh, during their their late late harvest. So so December numbers are sort of sort of interesting, but it's again it's kind of a continuation of that uh, of that story that we are in a replacement market. The numbers are. Uh, are are solid they're not uh, you know they're nothing that uh, you know is, is that we're going to write home about but they're certainly solid and, and certainly outperforming where the ag economy is as a general yeah. rule so yeah a, a replacement market for large equipment which i know you hope will continue here in 2019 and that small tractor market just continues to be a bright spot for you you bet you bet the bright spot is again is that's a good good way to kind of shift year over year is that uh you know, for the whole year, uh, under 40 horsepower tractors are up 10 percent, or excuse me, up 9 percent uh, for the whole year. Uh, you know, when we talk 10 percent of the under 40 horsepower, we're talking about you know, 14,000, 13,000 more units. That's a lot of tractors. That's a lot of under 40 horsepower tractors. That's a pretty good indication of what the overall economy looks like. But you can also look at those row crop tractors. Um, you know, row crop tractors between 40 and 100 horsepower. For the whole year, uh, had a had a very mild increase of about a one one uh, percent. Again, that's indicating a replacement market. Uh, Hundred horsepower and above, 
uh, tractors uh, had about a 5%, 5.5% uh, uh, increase in sales uh, year over year. Again, that's indicating a, uh, a replacement market. We did see uh, a, a pretty nice you know, annual increase in the uh, articulated four-wheel drive tractors, about 12, uh, 12.9% or 13%. Uh, you know, uh, additional uh, uh, tractors sold year over year. For perspective, that amounts to about 300, 350 additional uh, articulated four-wheel drive. That's, uh, that's something to, to, to pay attention to. But again, the the real one of the other big stories is self-propelled combines. As I mentioned, the December numbers being pretty strong, they were so strong that it sort of had an impact on the overall uh, percentage of the uh, year-over-year sales of combines. Where you know about 700 more units of combines sold in 2018 than there were in 2017. So, I mean, that's uh, the, the takeaway when you look at articulated four-wheel drive, and you look at uh, self-propelled combine, those are considered purchases. A farmer doesn't walk into a tractor dealership and say, I want to spend a half million dollars on a combine. They don't do that on a whim. they got to feel good about what the future holds. They've got to feel good about their individual farming operation. they got to feel like some of the softness that we're feeling, that we're seeing right now, is, is not going to last. So I think those are pretty good indications of where the optimism is uh, of any farmer uh, and I guess that that plays out well, you know, across our manufacturers that are certainly you know, wanted to be mindful of the softness and the pain that farmers are feeling, but obviously, you know, ultimately want to want to sell some more equipment. Yeah, because a lot of the issues that brought on that uncertainty in 2018, unfortunately, those issues have carried right into 2019. We're still waiting for resolution on a lot of them. I'll tell you what, we we certainly are, and and uh, this current government shutdown, uh, although. You know, you could say immediately didn't impact uh, farmers, you know, right away. It's starting to a little bit, and certainly with the shutdown of USDA, that doesn't uh, that doesn't feel very good right now. And and if that slows down this uh, this promise of year-round sales of E15, that doesn't necessarily feel very good either. So, uh, you know, that uncertainty that boy, I wish was uh, w- would have been a little bit more wrapped up right now. Uh, it feels like we're we're going to be singing that same song. Probably about this time next month when we have this conversation. It's like, love to see some resolution. We got a farm bill. Now we got to be able to implement it. We can't implement it until the uh, until the government gets gets back open and, uh, and and working again. Yeah. So we we continue to wait and see. But overall, uh, I guess the word you use, 2018, when it comes to equipment sales, was solid, especially considering the overall farm economy being what it is. I think that you you do have to put the asterisk and say solid. You know, considering where the ag economy absolutely is, that is uh, that is the fair statement. And the uh, you know, if the overall economy continues to be strong, the ag economy looks like it's got some promise of being pretty strong in '19. Um, and we're optimistic that hey, this is going to be it's going to be a good year for farmers. Uh, you don't again, you don't become a farmer if you're if you're a pessimist because it takes a little bit of faith to put your seed in the ground and, and assume that it's going to grow into a good crop. All right, Kurt, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk to you next month, and we'll keep tracking, see how things are going. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment 
manufacturers. All right, we'll wrap it up for today. Tomorrow we'll get a Washington update, what's going on, what's not going on because of the uh, the uh, government shutdown. We'll also have some market outlook and uh, the latest on where we're at with getting E15 approved for summer sales, how the government shutdown affects that. Andrew Wheeler's confirmation hearing going on today as he's been nominated to be the uh, full-time EPA administrator. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. All that coming up tomorrow here on AOA. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Adams on Agriculture.